This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's The Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, Gordon, uh, of course, you can never be disappointed while being on vacation, but he'll be disappointed he is not part of our uh, next conversation. In fact, let's get out to the Smart Rain special guest line. Uh, you know, when the fate of college football is a conversation and, uh, you know, the, the future is being decided in those uh, smoke-filled rooms, we re- reach out to somebody who was once in those smoke-filled rooms, politely abstaining, of course. He's uh, the former athletic director at BYU, Rondo Felberg, with us here on The Big Show. Rondo, thanks for a few minutes. How you doing? Glad to be with you, Jake. It's, uh, it's, it's an interesting time, and, and uh, I'm quite frankly, as curious as anybody about uh, the way this is all going to play out. Well, let's let's dive right in and and start kind of uh, at the beginning of the latest saga, and that is Texas and Oklahoma. Um, You know, it it came out of the blue, but apparently it had been in the works for a a while now. Uh, ESPN is involved and uh, they're they're going to the SEC. So let's start with that bit of news. What what were your thoughts when when you saw that uh, the defection is going to occur? Uh, It was one of the least surprising things that have happened (laughs) in, in in, you know, recent months and years in sport. The, the biggest surprise to me was that it took this long for that to happen. Uh, and and I can only imagine that a big part of it was that, that so much money was already being thrown at the SEC that they were having trouble sort of wrapping their arms around that and digesting it. And so the idea of going after even more never occurred to them. Well, now let's get to kind of yesterday's big news where the Big 12 and they're responding by sending a cease and desist letter to ESPN because ESPN has been a part of all of this. But they're really saying, you know, uh, apparently ESPN has encouraged other conferences, namely the American conference, to reach out to the remaining part of the Big 12 hopefully, according to Bob Bowlesby, hopefully to dissolve the league so that they don't have to pay payouts uh, to the Big 12. So, I mean, what what an amazing thing that was yesterday. Yeah, that, that one did surprise me a little bit. But at the same time, when you stop and think about what's going on, I mean, let, let's face it, this is all about money, has been for a long time. We have, um, you know, continued and you guys have been part of it uh we've continued to sort of uh kind of preach the party line of of college educations and academic priorities and 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 virtue and purity and all of this stuff but the the fact is that it has been simply a a, a kind of farm team for the, the professional leagues uh, for some time, college football drives 
everything else, although college basketball, men's basketball in some quarters, um, it kind of um, moves the needle as well. But it's, I mean, it is what it is, and it has been about money for a long time. So let's let's talk about where things uh, go from here, and and I want to ask you about how BYU could possibly fit into this because, you, you know, it, we it, we live in a complex political world right now. So, but let's take that out of it. BYU actually, and I shouldn't say actually, like it's surprising, but BYU bring has a tremendous amount of value. I mean, we we see it every week, right? Everywhere BYU goes and travels to, I mean, thousands of fans are coming to watch. Uh, you know, it's been a, a, a fruitful relationship with ESP because there's a lot of BYU fans out there that that consume the product. So you would think that during all of this, BYU BYU could be in a position of strength because of that value. I think you're right. Uh, There's no question that the brand resonates. There's no question that their fans are are, um, loyal and and, and they're, I mean, they're, they're the largest group of sort of consistent fans throughout North America. Um, and, you know, you it's a, a topic for a different conversation as to why that's the case, but it is. And whether they just love the BYU brand, love the way they, 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 they play the game, or whether they have, uh, you know, religious or other, uh, uh, convictions that drive their, um, their their loyalty. That's that's really not that important. The bottom line is it's eyeballs, and ESPN's about ratings. It drives what they're able to get uh, from their uh, you know sponsors and advertisers, and 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 it it just moves product it moves the market uh you and i have had this conversation before when we first began discussing these things with espn nobody else in the country was doing it we were way out ahead of everybody else and a lot of people thought it was defensive um but it was every bit of 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 a preemptive strike by BYU and of course all these years later we're so glad we did we've been protected while everybody else has had to scramble all right. Speaking of of scramble, I don't know if you saw, but Coach Witt at uh, Pac-12 Media Day on Tuesday really, <laughs> I thought, uh, accurately described what's going to happen. And I'll just kind of sum up his point that, uh, you know, it's going to be every school for itself in a sense that uh, got to find the best financial situation they possibly can. And I, I thought he was he was right on the money with the the fallout from all of this. So with that in mind, if, if you could uh, put yourself in the place of an athletic director at a school in the Big 12, uh, you know, for a second, uh, you know, a Texas Tech or or, or a Baylor. And uh, because what, what the Big 12 is complaining about with ESPN is probably true, right? ESPN is is probably going to the American uh, conference and saying, hey, we'll, we'll get you some more dough if you bring these teams in mm-hmm. and it, it, it builds your conference. I mean, that's that's probably happening. So, you know, with, with those things in mind, what would you do or, or how would you approach this situation if you were an athletic director in that conference? Well, uh, it, it, you're right. It is. 
a, a, a scary time for them. Uh, and I think they do have to, they have to look after themselves. If I were an athletic director of the left behind eight, of any one of the left behind eight, I would be talking to three groups of people right now. The most important group of people are all of those people around Bob Bowlesby, um, uh, who is my commissioner. And I would be going after him and pretty aggressively saying, hey, man, what do we pay you for? What in the world is going on? Da-da-da-da-da-da. And I would be pretty aggressive. I would make all kinds of, of, of aggressive-sounding but empty threats um, and, and, and puff out my chest and try to, you, you know how they say, when a, when a big predator comes at you, look big and turn on him and stare at him. That's what I'd be doing if I was one of the left-behind dates. I'd turn around and stare hard and try to look as big as I could. But the fact is I know I, I, I'm going to get eaten if, if, if they, if they want to eat me. And, and so that's one group. The second group is I am out talking to every other person I know in the game who, um, who I believe to be credible. It's going to be other, it's going to be other conference commissioners. It's going to be other administrators. It's going to be other coaches. It's going to be people at ESPN and Fox and other networks. It's going to be people who are coming up with these bright new ideas about streaming services. It's anybody who understands the markets and media I'm going to be talking to, and I'm going to try to make sure I have some really smart people around me who can help me understand um, you know, the impact the millennials have had and will continue to have on the market and therefore our product. The third group I'm going to be talking to are my loyal faithful, the, the, the fans, the donors, the, the, the people that, that, that I answer to basically and that I rely on for the most important part of you know my job and my support and 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 those conversations are not all going to be consistent and they're not all going to be compatible and someone may accuse me of speaking out of both sides of my mouth and I'm probably <laughs> going to consider that a compliment <laughs> Well, I, w- I want to ask you about the Pac-12 uh, now. I had a chance uh, to talk to uh, the new commissioner, uh, George Klyavkov, at uh, Media Day, and he uh-huh. seems like a really sharp guy. I mean, you know, very accomplished. He's an interesting guy, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. He, he is a, he's a fresh face, and I think that, that the very fact that they hired him was an acknowledgment that the world had changed already. I, I think so, too. And he's the exact opposite of Larry Scott in so many ways. Like Larry oh, yeah. was was the commissioner of the, the what the WTA. Right. And uh, uh-huh. when the Serena, when the Williams yeah. sisters came to be popular and kind of rode that gravy train and he came from that world, whereas 
you know, George comes from, he's, you know, straight business, right? Media. I mean, the stuff that, yeah. that you're talking about that, that drives the engine. I, I think it, it could really pay off. Now, I, I think there's some ADs that might be grumpy with his lack of, you know, administrative experience. But, you know, if, if the bottom line really is uh, maximizing value, I mean, it's it seems like it'd be a pretty savvy move. But this stuff, Rondo, I mean, this stuff like the, the university politics and all that, it's not his wheelhouse. Right. And and I wonder no. I wonder if there's a threat to the Pac-12 if the Big Ten responds and says, OK, well, we can add a couple of brands and get Oregon and, and USC on the phone or, or really, you know, if the Pac-12, if there's a threat that it might, you know, be encroached upon. Well, look, I know you guys do your homework and I'm sure you and Gordon have sort of uh, been thumbing through the electronic archive. Uh, and and if you've you found Rondo saying a decade ago that this was going to continue to be unstable and continue to evolve and until or unless we get to a point of natural stability and and I still believe that I believe that what will create some stability is a football-centric organization that has four 16-team leagues that include some geographic and historically um, conference-based rivalries to create interest during a season that leads you up to a playoff um, uh, at the end of that season and then to a national playoff. And and, And that's what the SEC's just done. They've finally gotten there. The Big Ten got most of the way there but stepped back. The Big 12 thought about it and flinched. And and I fault the Big 12 themselves for not having done anything when they had the chance nearly a decade ago to to create some stability and to actually be ahead of the curve on this, and they didn't. Uh, but there will ultimately – you look at the number of schools that play big-time college football, and it breaks out pretty nicely into four 16-team leagues, and the playoffs then work, and the system then stabilizes itself. All right. I absolutely have a comment on that Big 12 thing. But, but Austin, real quick, did you see what, what Rondo did right there? Because this, this is something that I would do. Essentially, what he did right there is he said, see, guys, I've been right all along. <laughs> I've been right all along. Called it. Yeah, yeah thank well, goodness you listened to me. I'm the Jake Scott model here. <laughs> so that is certainly, that is certainly uh, something that I would do. Because but- you do that all the time, and Gordon gives the giant eye roll. He does. And then he comes up with some sort of witty response. That then drives conversation for five minutes, and the, the, and it never gets resolved. It never. just gets tabled until the next time you do it. <laughs> you know us, you know us so well. It's it's what works, and uh, you know what. It's why we miss Gordon on on days like today, certainly. But on what you were saying about the Big Twelve, I I completely agree. Don't feel bad for them. You know when they had a chance to solidify and make the right moves, you know what they did? They they twisted the television network's arms by threatening to expand mm-hmm. and and kept all these universities, BYU included, dangling on a rope only to slam 
slam the door, which they intended to do all along. I'm I'm with you. They they made their own bed to it a certain was extent. Stupid. Yeah, it was. But you know, but you know, I I I can't tell you today. Uh, and and I don't know Bolsby that well. You know, he and I have talked and we're cordial and we say we're friends, but we're not. I, I don't know him that well. And I don't know whether what they did was was sort of aggressive, proactive, visionary, or whether it was just out of fear and they retrenched. Whatever it was, they had a chance to do to, to go bigger and, and BYU would have been part of that, uh, and they didn't. Um, I, quite frankly, I think um, they just got frightened, and we can talk about the things that frightened them. Um, I, I'm not going to be critical. Uh, I, I may have done the same thing if I had been in that chair. Uh, so I'm very hesitant to be critical of somebody else, um, you know, in the, in the situation he was in. But now— uh, yeah, he he's hearing from way too many people. I told you so. So just just two last things for you, Rondo. And you're so you're so great to give us so much time, and and we really appreciate it. And and the first thing is this: what what did you think of the job that Tom Homo uh, did and has done during the coronavirus uh, pandemic? And and just an editorial here on my part: I th- I think what he did was was nothing short of amazing. On, on so many levels. I mean, he was out there alone on an island. He threw together a mm-hmm. game in, what was it, four days uh, on the other side of the country. I mean, just, uh, I, I don't think you can give him enough credit, but uh, but I thought I'd get your thoughts on that. I, I, I agree. What Tom did was remarkable. It was amazing. And, and uh, I don't think anybody thought it could be done, and they did it anyway. And there are a lot of people around the country who um, can't who, who can't step up publicly and talk about how amazing it was because it's not politically correct to do so. So so they don't. But privately, uh, Tom has been applauded and has a sort of hero status, even if in some cases it's, it's grudging admiration, it's, it's still real. And the last thing, and I know, I know we've we've asked you about this before, but uh, just because this, uh, you know, this, these stories of conference expansion and stuff, they are not new; they go back a ways. How close was BYU to joining the Big Twelve back in the day? I thought it had already happened. I thought it was a done deal. Then there was a certain group of students at a certain university that we all sort of know about who came out very aggressively, very publicly attacking um, the the LDS church and its policies and, and through that attacking BYU and panicked the uh, Bowlesby and the other senior administrators in the 12 and, and, and some of the presidents. Um, and they, and, and, and so they panicked and stepped back. Um, and, and I think had they gone ahead and done it, it would have been a tempest in a teapot. They would have been 
much more stable. They'd been in a much better yeah. situation, and we wouldn't be having this conversation today. Um, but they didn't. Well, Rondo, thank you very much for joining us. As always, uh, we look forward to our conversations and uh, certainly been a highlight of the week. Thank you very much. All right, man. Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you. Thanks, Rondo. Former BYU Athletic Director Rondo Felberg, uh, so nice to give us uh, uh, some of his time. I mean, so insightful on on how it works and what's going on. And obviously he follows it uh, very closely because he, he probably finds it interesting because he was right in the middle of it for uh, for a long, long time and, and knows – Knows his stuff, and as he squeezed in there, Austin, he there there was a really good hey. Just to just to point out again, this is something I'd do. Just to point out, I've been right all along. Yeah, it, he did. So it, you guys know he did it in Rondo's humble way. Hey, yeah, the, yeah. he did it. He did it a little filibustery, but that's what it was. And I wonder if uh, I, I guarantee he's probably happy that none of this is his problem anymore. See, I oh yeah. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. But you see, I noticed that because that's me. You know how you yes. notice. You know how you notice your own. Yeah, right. I, I noticed that. It's like okay, and, and you're you like it because you're like that's what I would do. But he has been right all along. Yeah, I mean, yeah, right. Absolutely, has been has been right all along. And I, you know, what I like about you know former athletic directors, and we've seen a little bit out of the uh, of this out of Chris Hill since he's he's uh, decided to hang him up. They they like to come in. And tell you what's going on, and I, I sometimes I think it's for no other reason than just to stir the pot a little bit, you know, like like tell the people sure. in their current positions, like I know what's going on, and I can I can I can let the cat out of the bag a little bit, and there's nothing you can do about it. A uh, part of the reason that I love Coach Mac on on Football Fridays, I mean, his son's not with USC. And it was son-in-law, not son. Uh, Coach Baxter, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's not with USC anymore. Well, let's just say that when Utah, the week Utah or BYU would play USC, you know, let's just say the Trojan game plan would get a little, <laughs> a, little uh, a little more public probably than the coaching staff would which, have been. Which always made me wonder, maybe they gave Coach a different game plan than, but I don't know. more often than not, you'd see some yeah, of the stuff he'd talk about. You totally would. Because what are you going to do? Get mad at Coach Mac? Well, yeah, what's he going to Why does right. he care? Are you going to get mad at, at that man who's, uh, you know, on top of everything else, just, you know, helping thousands of kids at risk? So what What are you going to do? Are you going to get mad at that guy? Got over, a, over a football play? Got a resume that'll blow your arm off. You know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Rondo Felberg, what a, what a stud. Thanks for jumping on with us. We really appreciate it. We'll have more of the big show coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's a big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Olympic update right there brought to you by Zero Res. When I get the carpets cleaned, it's never just cleaned. It's Zero Res clean, and I won't have it any other way. Just $33 per room clean, plus a fourth room for free. You deserve the best. You deserve Zero Res. Schedule with Zero Res today. Uh, draft show officially begins at the top of the 6 o'clock hour. Uh, but right now, joining me in studio, my co-host for Jazz pre-half and post-game coverage during the season, my co-host tonight for the NBA draft, Coach Tim Lacombe. What's up, Coach? What's up, man? I I needed to use my my MapQuest. I had to print out MapQuest to get here. I've forgotten. It's been so long since I hung out with you guys. It's been a while. Uh, so long, in fact, that uh, printing out MapQuest was still a thing. It's still a thing. <laughs> I used to do that when I go recruiting at BYU. You'd print out the whole, make little folders. Okay, this is the first. My dad jaunt. still does it. 
really? they travel. Yep. Really? They just went to DC, and my mom was just shaking her head how many you map say, quests that he had. That's so hey, funny. this app will do it all without the paper. Save a tree, man. It'll leave leave it. anyway. <laughs> It'll even tell you. Those were the days. It'll tell you when to turn. It'll say, turn here. It's very easy. Yeah, but I still miss those. As Coach Rose can attest, I've had us in some very precarious situations. Oh, yeah? MapQuest got a little loose on you? Well, no. I just anticipated a turn down a one-way street once. You know, I <laughs> jumped the gun. Whoops. Yeah. Stuff like that. Was it like uh, planes, trains, and automobiles where they're yelling at you, you're going the wrong way? And the dogs were barking, believe me. <laughs> How would they know what way we're going? <laughs> what a great movie. Uh, movie Zone, by the way. Uh, Thursdays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Uh, movie Zone tonight, Aust? I no, didn't tomorrow. Think so. I didn't yeah. know if we were splitting the signal. So a special edition of the Movie Zone coming up tomorrow. You want to give us a preview of the, the poll question? Yeah. Uh, well, Disney's Jungle Cruise comes out this yes. week. Yes. I'm As does a Matt Damon, uh, really, really cool Matt Damon movie called Stillwater. Uh, and so we've got a Matt Damon battle between The Martian and Interstellar. Which one's better? And then our poll question is, name a good and bad movie involving a boat. So I haven't seen either of the Matt Damon movies. What? So. There had to have been a Gilligan's Island movie. Is, was there? I don't know, but it, Jake would that know. would be my guess with a boat. I don't know if there is a, a a good or bad movie. Does a submarine count? Yeah, it's a boat. Okay. So a good movie with a boat and a bad movie with a boat. Okay, Captain good, Phillips. Good movie. Bad movie with a boat. Stop I liked it. it. Terrible movie. That's a great it movie. Is not. All right, kill his mic. I'm the captain that now. That is dumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to go good movie with a boat, Master and Commander. You don't like uh, Master and Commander? The who first has the, of the time to read the, to watch that? That's could Jake? Could Jake? He could not co-host the movie zone you guys it's never like a get six past hour the first movie tim it is long but it is good it isn't it is never it, heard of it's it. like reading the bible in a movie theater it takes forever it's it's actually a good movie with russell crowe in it <laughs> he doesn't sing so oh wait also a contender for good movie with a boat down periscope so someone else replied with that and i am gonna bring it up tomorrow that i only know of that movie because of you and awesome it, movie. It changed my life. He knows some <laughs> nutty stuff, this Jake. I, so I got to spend a lot of time with him in the fall, whether you know that or not, in the winter. Um, we would walk out of here. We'd be freezing in here. Yes. We'd get hot going down the stairs, and then we'd freeze outside. One of those kind One of, of things. things. Yeah, but we got to, we got into some convo about some interesting yeah. stuff. I don't know about bad movie with a boat, though. Probably Jungle Cruise, I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> Just go ahead and drop it. Has there been, has there been, well, I was about to say, has there been a good movie based on a Disney ride, but Pirates of the Caribbean, I guess, was that, and that kind of got the, the ball rolling, right? One but of them was good, yeah. Didn't they try to make the Haunted Mansion or something, and that was a disaster? They started with Tower of Terror, with Steve Gutenheim or whatever, Gutenberg from Police Academy. Uh -huh. Then they did Haunted Mansion, and then they did Pirates, yeah. Right. I'm going to give you just a little, because I Google it. I, I use Google. I know someone else that uses Google quite yeah, often. Gordo. Uh, there's a top 10 best boat I'm movies to binge watch. You ready? Number 10, Lifeboat <laughs> okay. from 1944. Never heard of it. Nine, Captain Phillips. Eight, Jaws. I think uh, Greta Garbo started, uh, started <laughs> Lifeboat. Did she? Jaws, eight. Dead Calm, seven. Mm -hmm. Wind, six. White Squall, five. The Mercy Four, Adrift Three, Maiden Two, and Captain Ron One. 
Oh, Captain Ron is the answer. Yeah. The best movie with a boat, Captain Ron. Yeah, that's what this guy says. You ever seen Captain Ron? No. Cinema magic. A drift is great, too. Jake, you would like a drift. Well, I have not seen a drift. But, yeah, Captain Ron is quite good. Uh, it's good to see you, Coach. Uh, are you excited for the draft this year? Austin and I were kind of trying to characterize our feelings yesterday about uh, excitement level going into the draft tonight. Well, I spent a you know a ton of time watching tape and kind of assessing, and, and I think this actually is a pretty exciting draft. I think when you layer in uh, the shortened season, everything compressed, you obviously uh, have a very, very vivid recollection of what teams need by watching them play. Um, certainly as it, as it goes to the Jazz, you know, all of the intrigue in the offseason about Conley coming back, how will they structure the roster. But I think the way that it all lays and then the, w- the way free agency starts to kick in, you know, Monday, um, I think all those things layered in, it, it makes for a pretty interesting dra- draft night for sure. You know, talking to, to uh, you know, the experts that think this is kind of a top-heavy type of thing, uh, you know, that the first 10 picks are kind of the teams are locked in because there could be some real value. Trouble is the Jazz, for us here locally, are picking 30th. So what exactly do they do in this draft, of course, is something we'll be following all night long. Yeah, yeah for sure. I think uh, you hit on something interesting. It, it actually hit me today as I was watching some things. Um, you know, the, the teams like – the Jazz and teams like the Warriors, you know, it, it's always been you want young guys in the draft and you want to be able to develop them and bring them along. But it's interesting when you when you get several pieces that you can see, hey, these translate into championship, uh, you know, type situations. If we can surround them with just a couple of the right people, um, and there's some intriguing older guys in the draft this year. Um, you know, Davion Mitchell stands out to me as a guy who's going to be kind of in that middle first round. I've heard a ton of good things talking around the country in the last, you know, five or six days to my coaching friends. Chris Duarte is the name who pops out there that, mm. again, is going to drop down, kind of be in that middle section. But there's some real value. And we're, for the first time in a long time, I've heard, you know, teams want somebody to come in that knows how to play, that's physical. So maybe some of those older guys who stuck around college a little bit longer, um, you know, may just find the perfect spot. And, and that's the part that, to me, that's pretty intriguing. You know, it's counterproductive to what you think about the draft typically. You know, on uh, a related note, I, I'm hoping we see Nimi Keita go somewhere. Uh, we're good fit, likely not in the first round, but uh, hoping he gets picked up in the second by a place where he can go in and maybe make an immediate impact. I'll tell you, I, I, I've heard through the grapevine that his workouts have been really good. I think people are impressed with the way he moves laterally. We know this is a ball screen league. Bigs have to do a good job of containing ball screens. And, and you know, Kata does a great job guarding ball screens. Um, you know, I love his energy, his ability to block shots. It's just funny because the league is so different now that those guys would be always be, you know, when I was growing up, those tall, big, strong guys would go really early in the draft. It's a guards game now. Uh, and so it has to be a situation where people understand the value uh, that Kata brings. And uh, it will be fun to watch tonight. I think he'll go. I think I think he's good enough. And watching his film, you know, his film pops a little bit. And so I think th- there's going to be somebody out there I think will take a chance on, on Kata. All right, we'll get into uh, what Coach expects uh, from the Utah Jazz coming up right around the corner. And then at uh, the top of the 6 o'clock hour, we should be underway uh, with the NBA draft. Uh, five minutes in between picks in the first round, two minutes in between picks in the second round. 
And, uh, boy, the second round always flies right by. And the first round always seems to be dragging. But I, we'll see if we see a lot of uh, fireworks from trade standpoint and players moving around. We'll see if a big name like Ben Simmons uh, gets moved or Damian Lillard, which I don't think is going to happen, or uh, perhaps a Bradley Beal. There could be some uh, big names on the move tonight. We'll talk about all that and more coming up right around the corner. It is The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We officially get the draft show started coming up at the top of the 6 o'clock hour. But Coach Lacombe, nice enough to uh, come in a little early. As uh, I think pick number one, uh, Woj assured us, will indeed be Cade Cunningham. Not to ruin any suspense, but uh, I think that's the first pick we will be talking about. But... Let me ask you this, Coach. Will we be talking about the Jazz making the 30th pick tonight? You know, I think there's been a lot of, of conjecture as to whether they, they'll make that pick or not. Uh, my spider senses, and I, you know, this is just kind of studying it, I, I don't know that that pick does them any good. Um, again, I think what we're looking at, and I think we, the way we have to look at tonight uh, across the league is there's obviously many channels here. Okay, you can take draft picks. You obviously have got the ability to sign free agents, and then put together draft picks and trades to be able to change your roster around. Um, and so I think tonight, I don't think there can be a whole lot of uh, you know gnashing of teeth based on tonight because I think there's a lot of be be a lot of things that evolve in the next you know whatever two weeks. Um, my thought though, I if I had to you know. If I had to, to put my reputation on the line, my guess is that they won't make that pick for themselves tonight. But that's my that's my gut. It honestly just does not make a whole lot of sense for them to do so. They need fairly immediate help, right? The Jazz are, you know, especially if they re-sign Mike Conley. I mean, they're in win-now mode. So they need somebody who can come in and help, which is rare at pick 30. Not that it hasn't ever happened, which it has. And, you know, certainly Jazz have gotten, you know, immediate contributions from second-round guys. It's just not... I wouldn't even put it in the likely category, right? Yeah, if you're playing odds, it's not it's not the the direction you'd go for immediate help. Now, I think there are a couple of guys in the draft, and depending on how the Jazz have them stacked, uh, I think that will be part of it as the draft starts to go. I think the first four picks are going to be pretty easy to say who's going to be there. I think after that, I think the draft really begins at five. Uh, from there on, everybody's got value. Everybody's got needs. We'll talk about it throughout the draft and tonight. Um, but if certain guys fall you know then maybe the jazz keep it but my thought is that yes right now if they were to bring every single person back next year um, they're going to be way over you know if they're going to be paying a whole lot of luxury tax that's not a a place this this franchise is typically operated in and i think ryan's got zero you know my thought is he's got zero concern about that what he wants to do is put together the very best team he can to contend for a championship uh and so I think they have to be fiscally responsible. So does that 30th pick like last year, you take Doak, you take all the salary that he comes with. Um, The Jazz are in a win-now mode. And so I think it does them better to perhaps package that together um, and 
and find ways to diversify your roster. I think fans sometimes, and I guess this is some fans sometimes, get all caught up in the, are you willing to pay the luxury tax? And ignore the fact that the answer can be yes, but it doesn't mean you aren't smart about it. And so if if you pick a player who's going to develop on the bench for a couple of years and guarantee their salary, which is actually double because you're paying luxury tax on it, it's just not smart. You know, so you can be willing, you know, if the Jazz are believe that Mike Conley and, and bringing him back is uh, is a key to making another run next year, you're going to go into the luxury tax and do that, and you'll probably bite that bullet and not be real happy about scratching out the check, but it's worth it to you. If a player is just developing on the bench, you're going back and forth between the stars, and you're guaranteeing that money, and you're paying two to one uh, for the pleasure of developing that player. It just doesn't feel like the smartest move in the world to me. No, and I think you hit on a great point. I think that uh, the one thing you have to be willing to do is, you know, you're, you're, you're going to have to at times give up somebody that's really good and give up assets to just change your roster a little bit. The one thing the Jazz have going for them, Jake, is as I look through team needs, you know, almost every team in the league lists, you know, shooting as a huge need. And we know here that the Jazz are just absolutely loaded with shooting. So um, what they need is is a little bit more of a two-way guy, somebody that's more, a little more committed to the defensive end. Um, how do they get to that point without totally destroying it? I think Mike Conley is a huge piece to this. I think Mike Conley needs to come back. I think that's, in my mind, a non-starter. If this team really wants to stay on the track it's been on, I think Mike's really important to that. So I say Mike, Donovan, Rudy are the three guys that probably, you know, you're not moving them much around. Now it's how do you fit guys around that both bring production and diversify you a little bit. So when teams spread you out, you've got an answer uh, instead of just kind of being at their mercy. Wow, look at that suit. That's my guy Jalen Green, right? We've got, uh, yeah, uh, we've got uh, the draft up, of course, uh, uh, in the background here in the studio. And right now they're introducing all the players who are actually present at the draft tonight. And they're all walking out. And, uh, you know, that is a, the, there's some strong suit game. Well, what's your suit game like, Chris? Or uh, Coach? Chris. I don't coach. wear suits anymore. I, I was going to say because you had to wear them for so long. Yeah, for, for, for so many reasons. I don't wear suits at all. I wear... Uh, you know, I wear T-shirts now. Leisure wear. Leisure wear. Not leisure wear. I don't want to be. I don't want to be rude. You know, I don't wear athlete athleisure wear. I just wear. I'm I'm business casual. Man, Jalen Johnson going with the all white tux kind of look with the bow tie and the white shirt. You know what's funny That's about bold. these things? Bold. You go back and watch a draft just like five years ago, seven years ago, and you just chuckle at what you see the styles because they put it all out there on draft night and. It's what's good now, but it's five not years good five from now. years from now. Ten. See, this is why I wear the same clothes I've worn since I was like 16. Is because, you know what, at least I'll be consistent. Yeah, and people know what, hey, that's Jake. I'm not along, uh, I'm not at the latest cusp of, uh, of style because, yeah, Whoa. I mean, you're going to look back on some of these and go, wow. Kai what? Jones rolling with a pink suit. Uh, not only pink, but like, uh, like shiny silk pink. pink. <laughs> it's a good look. There's my guy. Uh, that's I love Corey Kispert. He's another guy I think. As you talk about Corey Kispers being just walking out, being introduced right now at the draft, but another guy who, again, does he fit? He's a guy I think that can come in. He's had to win for four straight years, all that pressure uh, to be as good as they've been, and he he had to carry the load a lot of the time. 
But he's a guy, again, you can get him middle, middle of the draft and, and maybe a contender that just needs one more physical piece that can make a shot. Yeah. How good was Gonzaga? There's, there's Gonzaga players all over these draft boards, man. They, they were, they were, we're going to see a Gonzaga player go in the top five, which is the first time that's happened since um, Adam Morrison? Yeah. Does that sound right? think so. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think back, like, Rui, Sabonis, all those guys were more like were 10, later. 12, 13, somewhere. And so, I I don't know, you, it depends on what uh, mock draft you look at, but I, I would think Jalen Suggs goes four or five. That's where I've seen him the most. Speaking of movies, I, uh, from before, I went and saw that, the, the new Shyamalan movie, M. Night Shyamalan movie. Old? Old. I went and? and saw it. Uh, didn't love it, but almost like it more the further I get away from it. It's teaching me still to this point, which his movies typically do. But, uh, you know, the first movie, the most popular movie, he talked about, you know, Macaulay Culkin was saw dead people. Is that right? Am no, I thinking correctly? It wasn't Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> Who was it? It was uh, the secondhand lion's kid. Okay, that guy. Haley Osmond. Haley oh, Osmond. Yeah. He saw dead people. I see Gonzaga people. Uh, you know, I'm retired. <laughs> I close my eyes and I see Gonzaga. I see Tilly. I see every single one of these guys we talk about, but you're right, man. They they, they were loaded last they are, year, and they're going to continue to be loaded. Their team this year. I was talking to somebody yesterday. They, it's like they're better this, this year than they were last year. You're kidding? No, I don't know if you can get much better than they were last year. Yeah, they just got. I mean, Holmgren's probably going to be the number one pick next year in the draft, in the NBA draft. At least that's what he's projected to be, and they got him. Um, so they're going to be really good. But they, you know, Suggs is another guy I absolutely love, and. It's kind of trending like he may go to Toronto. What a perfect fit for him. Yeah. I mean, he's a he's a Kyle Lowry clone. Hard playing, you know, make shots, get you in your offense, big, strong. Uh, I, I, so a lot of interesting side stories. All right, we'll officially kick off our draft show coming up next. It is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, Coach Lacob along for the ride here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.